welcome back to the podcast. I am Melissa Norris, and I have two of our peer ambassadors of wellness with me today. I've got Eugenia and Raymar here today. So why don't you first start by introducing yourself to our listeners? Hi, my name is Raymar. I'm a peer ambassador of wellness here with the Fresno State Student Health and Counseling Center, and I'm also a health admin major here. Hi, you guys. My name is Eugenia. I'm also a Paul, and I am also a major in public health. Well, I think it's safe to say that we have had quite a bit of response already for the topic that we're discussing today. But before we dive in, I'd really like to start by just hearing from each of you why hosting this podcast episode, talking about sex, was so important to you. Well, for me, sex is like any other education, something that we should learn in life. But then there's not enough conversations, especially in a school setting. It's part of our health, so I think it's really important to also include in our podcast where we talk about wellness and health. Yeah, and for me, I could say, like, for a while, I was really ignorant about, like, the topics of sex education, just because the way I learned about it was, like, from TV or movies or, you know, jokes my friends would crack, like, the mm -hmm. idea of sex with can kind of came from like an immature perspective. And I think, you know, as I grow up, it's like I'm learning more about how, oh, this is stuff I should have known. That's that's why I feel like this topic is important because I feel like there's a lot of people in that same position. I think you both kind of alluded to this already, but we don't all start on a level playing field when it comes to this topic, right? Like we're not all learning the same things in the same spaces from the same people. And so I think one of the things that we had talked about was like, where are students getting the information when it comes to sex and sex education? And when we went to social media to kind of hear first and foremost from students where they're hearing and learning about this topic, the largest majority said about 60% of them said they're learning it in the school system. Followed by that, there were 16% who learned through the media and internet. So Raymar, I love that you talked about that. Another 11% said they learned about sex from maybe their family or their peers. And the rest, that 13% remaining, said they simply just didn't receive sex education at all. Yeah, and for me, the numbers that kind of stick out is the fact that there's so many people, there's more people that didn't receive sex sexual education than the lowest amount of people that learned about it from their family or their peers. And I think on one hand, it's like sex education in schools, that's where you want people to be learning. But at the same time, there's so many people that like opt out or are forced to opt out of those programs, like because their family isn't comfortable with them learning about it. But then it's like a lot of people like their families aren't talking to them about it. And even if they do, it's like there's a lot of um cultural issues with it as well. I know personally, there's like I didn't learn about the biological aspect of it from my family. I didn't learn about a lot of the important topics that regards not just sex but relationships you know there's kind of like a machismo type thing in my culture where it's like it's very much so one-sided in what you hear from your family but I would have liked to see a lot more people like learn from their family and make it a more normal conversation to talk about yeah I think it's it's just hard to have that conversation outside of an education system so like with your family kind of like you said Raymart like yeah you might talk about it with your friends but then it may come out as a joke it's never a really serious topic where you guys can come and assess together and so 
I I wasn't pretty like surprised when it came out to be mostly school, which I'm pretty glad because I'm I thought like it'll be more based off of the internet, but I think school is a good place to start. I feel as though the fact that the internet and media had more votes than family or peers was kind of concerning because I feel like nowadays, like in a social media day and age, like this is where you're receiving a lot more of your education as opposed to the school system, but not talking about it with those close to you. I think that's kind of problematic. For sure, because the media can be so misleading and it's it's right at our hands. And when we think about it, it's like when we look at media and the internet, while it is a great resource to learn, I think that there's a lot of negative stigma that gets promoted in these type of things where it's like how sex really is or how relationships really are is kind of kind of like is skewed in the minds of people like consuming that content as opposed to actually like doing proper research or learning about it from school or talking about the more mature aspects of sex with your family or peers. Well, and I think when we talk about the fact that individuals are getting this education through things like the media and things like that, part of what I think is something we talked just briefly about is the stigma associated, the things that are stopping people from having those open dialogue conversations with their family or with professionals, a lot of times fear or a sense of embarrassment talking about sex and kind of this like no fly zone. We don't talk about that thing. And I think we think about the internet, it's at our fingertips. It's a lot easier. No one's judging you on the internet, right? You can be Googling anything and have kind of a safety in that, which I think maybe can send people that direction rather than seeking out advice or resources in, in a different kind of way, right? And so I think that has to play a factor in this too. For sure. And even though it's like, yeah, we do want most of our kids learning about sex from a school setting. The truth is, is like, from my personal experience, like learning about sex from the school set setting was like very limited. I remember they actually like split up the boys and the girls like into different rooms to watch movies. And it's like, even when we all sat together to learn about sex topics, it was just like the biological aspect of it. It honestly just felt like a science class. And then like the more personal topics that we learned about, we were separated from. And I feel like that's problematic, not only just because, oh yeah, you should definitely learn about the other gender or sex, but also like separating in those settings, it kind of like by boy and girl, it kind of like limits people that may be non-binary, maybe transsexual. It gives people like a sort of one-dimensional view of what sex is and what their identity is. It creates like a division, whereas sex is like a whole other thing, which is really funny because when you when you talked about your experience about sex in school, I just remembered that when I was receiving sex education as a freshman in high school, it was actually in my biology course. Looking back, there should be like a setting, or like a health setting versus a science setting. And just like you said, it was more of like, like a science course rather than a health course. And I don't, I honestly don't even remember what exactly I learned in that at that time. But one thing for sure is I didn't learn about consent and I didn't learn about, you know, the relationship aspect that goes into sex. Yeah. And going off of that, I actually... 
remember having to take two sexual education courses, one in high school, which was a lot more uh, bio biologically based. But in elementary school, which is like when a lot of kids are starting to first go through puberty, I remember that's when we got split up to talk about like our personal experiences, such as like, I remember the movie they showed like us boys was like, this guy having a crush, this little, this little boy, like having a crush on a girl and then like having a wet dream about it. And it's like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that could be like, you know, kind of personal and like embarrassing, but it's like, oh, I wonder what the girls had to sit through and learn about. And like, with that, it's like, oh, because I didn't get that education about what, um, what women personally go through when they're first going through puberty. I didn't know what they feel when they're getting into relationships. I didn't know what they feel when they're first figuring out their cycle. I honestly didn't learn too much about a woman's like cycle until like college. Wow, I never thought of it like that. I do remember in elementary when they would like split you up and and they go through the whole like puberty course. Like I do remember coming out of it like, oh my gosh, what do the boys go through? Like, you know, and then we would ask the boys and stuff. But I never really thought of like how much impact it would have been for the boys if they learned so much more about a girl's menstrual cycle. I love that we're having this conversation because that's one of the things that we kind of threw out on social media is like, what did you not learn? And I think you're right. You've touched on a few things. One being that we've created a division in how sex education is provided for one where you're missing the other side and, and learning all sides of things, being inclusive and understanding that. Cause you're right. A lot of uh, individuals don't understand the, the other side of what's been being taught in those courses. And what disadvantage does that put people at as they move forward and grow through their lives, have relationships. And now suddenly they're clueless about what the other partner might be experiencing. Um, and that already puts us at a major disadvantage. Yeah, I, I do think it kind of creates like this sense of embarrassment that boys and girls and other people may feel like when they're first developing and not understanding like the other side's embarrassment or the things they might be insecure about. It leads to issues of just not, you know, not knowing, not understanding why somebody may be feeling a certain way when they're first getting into relationships. And again, like you said, the, the separation, it just, it very much so limits the scope of what sexual education could be in a school setting. And it takes a very specific approach to talking about sex between a male and a female, which immediately provides the space that isn't inclusive, that can automatically make an individual feel like they don't understand or they don't belong, or this isn't for them. And I think that's one of the things I heard through social media was, can we talk about same sex sex? instead of just talking about this concept of male and female interaction and what that looks like, that, I mean, I don't recall that ever being a part of education that I received. What are some of the other responses that really kind of hit home for you guys um, as we reviewed what came through on social media? Uh, for me, I think the thing that we saw the most was the topic of consent, which we didn't learn about, as well as a lot of the more like specific, specific details that you won't really learn until you get to that point. And I remember even having a conversation with some of the folks here at the kids program in the health center. They were like talking about, they had like this, this like foreign object and it's supposed to be how to demonstrate how to use a female condom. 
and we had the conversation of oh yeah like I didn't even know what female condoms were and it's because when we first start learning about sex we it's kind of like more so male oriented like this is how to protect yourself as a man even when you're talking about like the biological like because like I said like we were separated for those more personal topics but we were kind of all together for the biological learning but even during the biological learning I will say it was very much so male-based male-centered and it gave me more of an understanding but if you ask me what a lot of the biological aspects of what uh, uh, females go through I would probably not be able to tell you to be honest so yeah I can kind of see that I don't think I heard about female the female condom until I was in college well they only provided us with the male condom and then for like in a girl's point of view it's just kind of like okay like so that's for the male and so it's almost like we don't really take charge in our our sexuality I guess you know it's more like geared towards the male and then not just that, but like contraceptives, there are more female contraceptives that males probably don't even really know about. So then there's like this, like, again, this division of like one going through another experience and we're not able to connect that together. Yeah, and going off that and what Melissa said as well, it does create a separation between male and female. But I don't know what people that may not identify as a man or woman go through. And honestly, it wasn't until like I took a biology class at Fresno City College where my biology professors just went on like a 10 minute rant about the issues that transsexual people go through and how all this sex education that he himself is obligated to teach. It's not in the curriculum to learn about what they may be going through emotionally or biologically at that point, it's like, do these people know what they're personally going through because they weren't taught the specific phrases or the biological anatomy? I feel like even though we are talking about this podcast, there's still so much like I'm ignorant about and not because I don't want to learn, but because it's like, one, there's just not a lot of research done about it. There's not a lot of information in curriculum being taught about what people that don't identify as a man or woman go through. Yeah, I agree. I took a course here. I think it was called Education on Sexuality. I'm not too sure. But we did learn about, you know, people that were not hetero, whether they were homosexual or asexual and anything more. And about their point of like viewing life is very different from people that are hetero. But I don't think we exactly learned how they have protected sex or safe sex and it's just not talked about enough which is probably why we're here talking about it today yeah and just going off that like you and I are literally like health majors and we're in these classes and we still don't really have a proper understanding of what people that don't identify as heterosexual go through and that's actually one of the responses that we saw a lot of people that said oh yeah we didn't like when we sat through sexual education in elementary school, high school, it was very much so a heterosexual based. And so, you know, you didn't really learn about what people that aren't hetero may 
be able to protect themselves and have safe sex. And that's just something I, I guess I never really learned about. Even in college, I still don't really learn that much about it, unless I guess I do take a class like that. So, I love your point. You guys are health majors. So a lot of your curriculum as public health is touching upon some of the topics like this that most students won't ever experience. And I think it comes back to that baseline question of what is that foundational education that people are receiving and, and why are we tiptoeing around maybe more difficult or more uncomfortable conversations or creating a divide right off the bat that puts someone at a disadvantage to not understanding the entire picture here. And I think that's obviously a greater question than we can truly answer right now or fix right now, but I think it's still helpful to bring that to light and remind ourselves that we have work to do when it comes to how we educate our communities about this topic. Yeah, and even going off of that, it's like, we just put out a podcast about coming out and it was really eye-opening because I was like oh I never really would have understood the pressures of coming out or the things somebody that's not heterosexual may be going through because you know as a straight heterosexual male it's like it sort of like limits your viewpoint on learning about how others may be feeling or the struggles that they have to go through not just at a societal level but on a personal level well, and if I can, I, I want to circle back to something that you mentioned, and we've brought up a couple of times here, and that was this topic of consent, because there was a couple of really great points that were made when we kind of asked, like, what are we not learning about? And I love one of the comments was really powerful in talking about knowing how to say no with confidence. And man, that's a powerful statement right there in and of itself. But there was also another comment about the fact that consent can be withdrawn at any time, that consent is not something that is earned and then you're good and you never have to ask for consent again. And I, I just want to create some space for us to talk about it because I feel like this is so critically important for any and all individuals to understand what consent is, what it means, what it looks like, and feeling that empowerment that I can express it and express it with confidence. Yeah, I think it's simple. Like no means no. And um, I think it was especially clear for me when I first started college because when you first begin, they have us the sexual violence training and that sexual violence training, they were very, very clear on like consent and saying no. And so I believe that like, no matter wherever and what point you're at in the act if you're uncomfortable, you know, it's okay and you should voice out that you're uncomfortable and automatically, like, you should stop right there because where we don't want to go forward if someone is not in the same exact mindset as you are because their experiences may be different. So, you know, no means no. And it's simple as that. Yeah, and it's like, I think we take those trainings every semester and all I hear from like my peers is, oh, I have to do this again. I'm just going to skip through. And a lot of people do skip through it and just like answer the questions because while it seems like a simple concept, it, I mean, it is a simple concept. No means no. And hesitation means no. And I think, it, you know, that goes both ways. Like as a male, I think like one of the, some of the stigma we see is like, oh, as a male, you should always want to be into it. You always have to be in the mood. You always have to do this. And part of that comes from like, seeing it so much in the media in like movies and tv shows 
it's supposed to be these quote unquote like passionate scenes where you don't see people say, hey, are you comfortable with this? And because of that, I think it creates like just this bigger issue. And I think like a big part of what we need to talk about is the fact that even though no means no, hesitation means no. That second part is really important because a lot of people may not be comfortable to give their honest like consent. A lot of people may feel that pressure. And I feel like as a partner, you should come within the mindset of like, I should make my partner comfortable enough to say no if they don't want to. You shouldn't feel like you're subconsciously pressuring them. I think, yeah, it, it, it seems like a simple concept. But again, that's stuff we don't learn about in school. We don't learn about consent. And I think there's a lot of elements to consent that we don't automatically think. I mean, the no means no is a very simple way to put it. But again, it's that reminder that like it can be reversed at any time. You might consent to one thing, but not consent to another. It doesn't mean that I consent to every single act that follows. It can change over time. It can be specific. I think we also have to think about, you know, impairment and when can a person truly express their consent or not if they're under the influence that's not a time to receive and try to, to get that consent. I, I just feel like there's a lot of pieces to this puzzle. And I think what spoke to me the most about the response was talking about the confidence to say no, because I think from a woman's perspective, that can be intimidating to have to be the one to say, no, I'm not ready. I don't want to move forward. And that confidence is key. And that's something that you have to work on within yourself. But I think the more that we have this dialogue around consent and the importance and the willingness to say no, to stop that action when you're uncomfortable, the closer we can get to all parties feeling like they can express that confidence. I also wanted to add in my um, sexuality course that I took, Public Health 91, if any of you guys do plan on taking it, you can take it with Joelle George. She is so amazing. I remember her talking about how it's so much easier for males to become sexually active because it's they can see it and it's it's easier for them. You can just see it. But for women, it's different. For females, it's completely different because it's in us and we're not always so exactly sure or it takes a longer time for us to, you know, really like recognize that like, oh, okay, like, yes, I am ready for this. And so I think for women, like, that's just something we have to figure out, like something that we have to recognize is that like, it's much harder for us to recognize when we are ready or when we're ready to have that act. And so it's okay to say no, because it's important to, you know, tell your partner that like, no, I'm, I'm not ready for this yet. Like I need more time. So that's completely normal because it just takes longer for women or females to get ready for the act. Yeah. And that's another thing we've seen a lot of, like, we don't prioritize the importance of things like foreplay and like, which is a response that we've seen in, um, our poll but also I think I just want to point out sex is a yes it's a very intimate act but it's also a natural act it's something that should be fun it should never feel forced and I know like for males there's like this one a lot of the jokes you hear is like oh you're 18 and you're still a virgin wow that's crazy but it's like it shouldn't be something you yourself feel pressured to do or you yourself should pressure someone else to do yeah we want everybody to come out having a good experience yeah (laughs) 
think it's a nice opportunity for us to talk a little bit about the resources that are available to our students, because a lot of students don't realize just how many things they can access, whether it be through the Student Health and Counseling Center or some of the programs and services within it that help to support them. And I know we talked a little bit about contraception. We talked about options. I, our health center provides a variety of sexual health services. So we have the opportunity for you to do a consultation and talk about birth control options. What does that look like? What are you comfortable with? What works best for you? We also, of course, offer testing for STIs or sexually transmitted infections and treatment. We talked about condoms. My goodness, guys, like, I mean, the health center offers free condoms. We have them available for purchase in our pharmacy side for a dollar, very inexpensive. There are 13 different locations on campus where you can pick up free condoms at any time, including within our building in the waiting areas. But you can also personalize a kit to be picked up within our pharmacy. We have what we call our KISS kits, and you can literally personalize whether you want dental dams, you want internal condoms, you want lubricant, you want flavored condoms, latex, non-latex. I mean, I'm, I'm kidding you not, like we've got an incredible tool and resource and this is all available free of cost to our students. We'll make sure to link all of these things in the episode as we post it. But these are things that are available to you. We want to see our students engage in safe sex practices. And so we wanna support you along the way as well. Yeah, for sure. And like you mentioned, like these resources are all available on campus. And I know a big barrier for a lot of people is even knowing where to get these resources. But if you're a student here on campus, it's like, to be honest, you're more likely to find condoms on campus than you are a parking spot. And not only that, it's like, even though we spent this whole podcast talking about the limited sexual education that we received, there is all types of sexual education available. Um, Fresno Barrios Unidos actually does a lot of the sex education programs in schools, but they also host their own circles where because sex is different culturally, whether it be by gender, race, socioeconomic status. So Barrios Unidos is a great resource to just find out all the other things about sex. And while we're talking about all these resources, it's also important to think again, about the education aspect. Try to know what you're getting yourself into because there's all types of professionals you should talk to before using some of these uh, resources, like things like Plan B. I didn't even know like the negative effect of Plan B that it has on a woman's body. And so, you know, try to educate yourself, know about, you know, just weigh your options and talk to a professional because these resources are not only all over campus, but all over Fresno. Planned Parenthood offers testing. Planned Parenthood offers just all types of resources. It's important to practice safe sex as a regular part of your sex life, regular testing, whether it be condoms, plan B if that works for you, and just educating yourself. Yes, I love that. And just like Melissa touched upon the kiss and consent, um, it's a service at the Student Health Center. And the coordinator for that program actually gave me a little kiss kit. And when I was going through it, oh my gosh, guys, there was so many things in there. They had, I believe, like three or four flavors of different condoms. They had a female condom. They have so much information on sex or like if you want to get more information. They also had like a DIY information on how to make a dental dam. And it's everything is in the kiss kit. But there's so much information, just like Braymarch said, like sex is a, it's a natural part of our lives and, you know, educate yourselves about it, educate your friends about it. It all ties within to our health and our wellness. There's so much more that goes on 
than just the act of sex itself. What we want is, is for students to feel empowered to seek out the information that maybe they didn't get. Like we've established the initial education we've received is not traditionally covering everything we hope for. There are a lot of questions still out there, but there's also a point in this topic that we have to be empowered to take that step to find out the answers, to connect with resources, to talk to professionals, to get those answers and, and feel confident and comfortable moving forward. Again, whether that's meeting with a physician or provider within the Student Health and Counseling Center, heck, maybe I'm just going to counseling and being able to have an open dialogue around these issues in a very safe and judgment-free space. We have our survivor advocate services here on campus too, that sometimes there's questions that start coming up when we talk about sex and relationships, where we start questioning, is this healthy? Are, are the boundaries within my relationship healthy? And they're a safe space as well for you to have that conversation. So taking that step, I think, is a really critical part of what we're talking about today. Eugenia and Raymar, I want to thank you both for taking the time to bring this topic to the podcast. I think it's safe to say that this is, this is a hot topic. I'm glad that we we're able to spend kind of some dedicated time today opening up that discussion. And again, this is just scratching the surface. There's a whole lot more we probably could go into. We're by no means coming to you as experts in this topic, but our hope is to be able to, again, open up the conversation and connect you to some resources so that you can become more educated. Maybe it's enrolling in that sexuality class that Eugenia talked about, or simply accessing some of these services that can support safe sex practices for you. For our listeners, I, we're going to be linking all of the resources that we talked about today within our episode. But if you haven't already, I want to encourage you to check out some of the other episodes that we have. We have more than 50 different topics that we've discussed over the last three years on the podcast all available at your fingertips. Again, that'll be linked in here. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at FS Health Center, where we're able to keep you up to date on those events, activities, programs, services, all the things that can help support your time at Fresno State, including letting you know when you can find our Kiss and Consent booth out on campus. So until next time, have a great day, Bulldogs.